Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Well, we just completed a study of the book of Revelation. Another very prophetic book or a book that talks about the end times has a lot of prophetic insight into the last days, and that's the book of Daniel. So, are you ready? Yeah. All right, let's go to the book of Daniel. Now, the first few chapters doesn't specifically get into prophetic visions and things about the last days, but there are some great things for us to, to glean from in the uh, first few chapters. We can learn from the life of Daniel how to overcome adversity and to thrive in times of great tribulation. Daniel had seen a time of tremendous tribulation when the Babylonians came in and Daniel was taken captive by the Babylonians and led off into what looked like slavery for the rest of his life. So how people think that's some pretty serious tribulation? I mean, uh, you know, you see a, a, an invading army come in and begin to kill people. You have people that you know begin to kill some of the rulers, take him, begin to destroy things, plunder the city, and then you yourself are, are bound and carried off into this foreign country where you don't know what is going to happen to you. And so that is what happened to Daniel. But he came to Babylon, and it went quite well for Daniel because of his faith in God. The Bible tells us this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So with faith in God, we can overcome anything. Right? And I mean, knowing that God is our Father, He can bring us through any kind of trial, any kind of test, and it doesn't have to be total devastation and hopelessness for us. We can come through it and come out of it stronger than we were when we went into it. We can come out of it better because of God. If God is there with you, it's going to be all right. And it can be more than all right. It can be really, really good. I said it can be really, really good. God can take a really, 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 really bad situation and make it really, 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 really good. Hallelujah. That's the kind of God that he is. And that's exactly what we see in the life of Daniel, this captive of the Babylonians. Here he is as a young man. And the Bible says in chapter 1, in verse 1, in the third year of the reign of Jachim, <clears throat> king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jachim, king of Judah, into the hand with some of the articles of the house of God. It's interesting that it mentions that right off the bat. Uh, some of the articles of the house of of God. No, no doubt that they, you know, the king of Babylon came in and they plundered the children of Israel. Plundered them. But yet it doesn't go into, 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 into that detail. Instead, it just says they came 
took articles from the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. You know, the Bible says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rules of the darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our battles in life are not just with other humans. The wars that are waged in the world are not just between nations. They are between two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. And so we see here, Nebuchadnezzar's army came in, and they went right for the temple, and they took the articles of worship, things that were used in the temple to worship God, and they brought that back to the temple of their God or gods. Why? Because the devil is the one behind this whole thing. He's the one who seeks to kill, steal, and destroy. He's the one that tries to cause all the problems that we face in life. He's the one behind the trouble. He's the one behind the tribulation. And what is he primarily after? He's primarily after your faith. He is after your worship of God. He wants to steal your worship. He wants everybody worshiping him and his demons. He wants all worship coming into his kingdom, into his temple. He wants people to bow down to him. That's that's why he loves it when people fear evil. Because fearing evil is paying homage to, to the devil. It's really faith in the devil. That's why I always say without fear, it's impossible to please the devil. In the same way, without faith, it's impossible to please God. The devil is looking for folks to worship him, to fear him. That's why he, you know, he likes producing horror movies. He wants to scare people. He wants to scare people into submission. But you and I are not fearing the devil. We fear God. We reverence God. And again, to fear God is not a fear that causes us to run from him, but it's a fear that causes us to cling to him. Do you know when people fear evil, they actually are clinging to evil? They're actually drawing near to the evil that they're fearing. When you fear God, you're drawing near to him. It might look like they're running from evil, but if they're running in a panic, they're actually running right into their problem. They're actually creating their own problems. Well, see, that's the fear of God. The fear of God isn't this running from him. It's a fear of trying to go through life without him. It's knowing I I can't make it without him. I, I, I I need God for everything. I need God. So you cling to him. And that's fearing him. That's, be, that's not like I got to get away from him afraid. It's I got I to gotta, I gotta have him. I got to have his wisdom. I got to have his direction. I am completely lost without him. I need, I need God. So we fear him. We worship him. We reverence him. We pay homage to him, not the devil. 
Not the devil. I don't want to please the devil, do you? I don't want to please the devil. So therefore, we're going to fear God and not the devil. We're going to worship God and not the devil. We're going to cling to God and not the devil. Not his wisdom, not his way of doing things, not his ways, ways of escape from trouble. We're going to follow God's plan for our life. Jesus is the way. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So, uh, but you know, here again, he took the articles of worship. The devil wants to, ultimately, he wants to take your faith. He wants to take your faith. He wants your worship. Why don't you just say it right now? I ain't giving it to him. No, we're not going to give that to him. See, See, I don't know. I don't know about you. I don't like the devil. I I just don't. I do not like the devil. And I know he's an egomaniac. I mean, he is just so into himself that I am, just, I am just determined not to give him any pleasure in bowing down and worshiping him, fearing him concerning anything. I just don't want to give him the satisfaction. Hallelujah. I think that was one of my primary motivations you know, when I first got saved. I came into such a reality of the devil, how it really was, and how he had me bound and how he had me fooled about so many things from the music I listened to, for, I mean, to everything. And when I saw how fooled I had been by the devil, man, I was just so mad about it. And I think that was one of the things that really drove me to God. It was just, I was just determined to get even with the snake. Get even with it. And thank God through Jesus we can tread upon. I'm going to say that again. We can tread upon. We can make him pay. Tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm us. Can you say yes? Praise God. Verse 3. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish, but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge, and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them. So that at the end of that time, they might serve before the king. So the king is basically going to send them to one of these propaganda camps for three years. And going to reprogram them. Reprogram on how to think. Reprogram them in Babylonian propaganda. These guys were being indoctrinated. It says in verse 6, Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Michel, and Ezariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. And to Michel, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. He's changing their names Uh, So as to cause these young men to just forget who they were. Change their identity. Cause them not to remember who they were. But these particular men hung on to their identity. You know, the devil wants you to lose your identity as a Christian. He wants you to forget that you're a part of the kingdom of God. He wants to make you think that you're just 
a part of this world like everybody else. And friend, you've got to, just like Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, you've got to cling to your Christian roots. I mean, there are a lot of churches out there today that are uprooting a lot of the things that the Bible has taught us, that people have been traditionally taught from the Word of God. There's a lot of changes taking place because, you know, leaders in churches say things like, well, you know, it's different today. This is a high-tech generation, and people just aren't like they used to be. And if we're going to reach this generation, then we're going to have to abandon a lot of the traditional ways of doing things. And we got to become more modern. We got to become more hip. We got we to be able to relate more to this generation. And so they use all this kind of reasoning to throw out the Bible and to change their Christian roots. But friend, no matter how much things change in the world, God's word remains the same. The Bible is unchanging. Keep your eyes on the word, not on the ever-changing world around you. You know, a great illustration of this is, you know, no matter where you go in the earth, you go to different places, travel, uh, you know, architecture change, landscape change, you know, how people dress change, languages change, you know, people can look different in different nations than they did in this other nation. And so, you know, on earth, things can look real different depending on where you go. But no matter where you go in the world, if you look up at the sky, you'll find out that the sky in China looks exactly like the same sky you've come to know in America. No matter where you go in the world, the sky looks the same. It isn't like a different color, like a different color sky in another country. It's the same colors, right? Blue, sometimes a little red and orange mixed into it, the clouds. I mean, the sun looks like the sun. The moon looks like the sun. The stars look like the stars. No matter where you go in the world, the things of the heavens are always the same. So the same way spiritually, in the natural, things are always changing. People are always changing. Sometimes people are for you. Sometimes they're against you. Sometimes they're praising you. Sometimes they're criticizing you. Things are changing. All the time. Sometimes people strongly believe in something. And then after maybe a few years, they abandon those beliefs and they believe in something else. Things are always changing on planet Earth. But... When we look to the word, when we look to heaven, when we look to God, it's always the same. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so you can count on him. You can depend on him to be the same for you as he was for Daniel, as he was for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. As he was for Moses, as he was for Elijah, as he was for all the apostles and prophets, as he was then, he is now. God hasn't changed. He hasn't abandoned the old way of doing things. He's the same. He's the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. So we don't abandon our foundation. We build on it. We add more truth to it, but we don't 
abandon it like so many do. Remember your identity in Christ, who you are as a child of God. Daniel remembered, no matter what they tried to do and put him through to try to change his way of thinking, he still worshiped the one true God. He would not bow his knee to any other false God or image that other people were worshiping. He wasn't following what was popular. He stayed with what was of God. And as a result of that, he had God results in his life. I said he had God results in his life. You know, God didn't just pick Daniel out and say, you know, Daniel, you're just one of the special ones in my sovereignty. I'm just gonna, you know, do some special things with you. I've got a special plan for you. I got news for you, friend. God's got a special plan for all of you. He doesn't have more of a special plan for the person next to you or for somebody else than he has for you. The Bible says he is not a respecter of persons. He's not a respecter of persons. So he's not looking and saying, now, you know, I'm going to use this guy in a special way and uh, you just all look and marvel. And don't you think that you will ever be used in a special way like that? You, know, you hear people say, well, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And it's true. He has a wonderful plan for everybody's life. Say, God's got a wonderful, special plan for my life. Hallelujah. We're never going to forget that. The devil's going to come along and say, no, God don't have a special plan for you. Look. Look at this. Look at that. Feel this. If God has a special plan for you, then what about this? Why did this happen? See, try to get your eyes off the word of God. Get your eyes on your circumstances and cave in and give in to doubt and unbelief and lose your Christian roots. Lose your identity in Christ. Not going to do it. Say it. Not going to lose my identity. I am a child of God. That's who I am. That's who I am. I am loved by him. That's who I am. That's your identity. So you're identifying yourself. That's who, you want to know who I am? I am loved by you. That's who I am. That's who I am. I'm loved by you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Man, it sure don't feel like God loved me. That don't matter. Feelings can come from the devil. It don't matter what it feels like. No, 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 no. God loves me. God loves me. And he doesn't love anybody else more than me. I'm his favorite, actually. But we all are, aren't we? Right? We all have favor with God. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. Verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. The word defile means to pollute or to stain. Now notice this. This was something he purposed in his heart. He purposed in his heart. I'm not going to defile myself. I'm not going to defile myself with, with what these heathens do. With the way they live. I'm not, I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to be a partaker of that. I'm, I, I'm not going to defile myself. See, you, you, see if, if we want Daniel-like results, 
If we want Daniel-like faith, and you want Daniel-like results. You'll see that here in a little bit. We want Daniel-like results because it gets really good with Daniel. He sees a lot of really good things. But if we want those kind of results, we have to make the same kind of decisions. See, that's why it's in here. To teach us, say, now do what he did and you'll have what he had. I don't care what your name is. I don't care if your name is Daniel or Doris or Doris or David. It don't matter. You can be just like Daniel if you do what Daniel did. And you got a purpose. I'm not going to be defiled. I'm not going to be defiled. I'm not going to let myself be polluted by this dirty, filthy, morally dirty, spiritually filthy world. I'm going to live a sanctified, holy life. I'm going to live a set-apart kind of life. That's the life I'm going to live. You got a purpose. You got a purpose to do that. Because if you don't get up in the morning, you're not, you aren't, you're not positioned, you're not, you haven't purposed to live that way, then man, things are going to come and entice your flesh and pull you into all kinds of perverted, dirty, filthy things. And there's a lot of things today that people don't even think is perverted and filthy and dirty. It just seems normal. It's just so normal for so many. I mean, there's things, they put it on billboards, they got stuff over. It just seems normal. People don't even think twice about it. You know, I was looking at, you know, all, all these people driving with, with masks on their face. I thought, my Lord, you know. And, and then the Lord reminded me, yeah, you, you, you don't bat an eye when you see somebody smoking a cigarette in their car. What? We've gotten, see, we've gotten used to it. Somebody sitting there smoking a cigarette. See, that's, that's kind of crazy. See, craziness can become very normal after a while. I said it can become normal after a while. It just seems normal. It's not normal. If it's not, if it's not right, it's not right. If it's not God, it's not right. We don't want to just accept stuff, you know. You hear some of this music out there. People just think it's normal. I look and go, man, these people sound like they got problems. These people are crazy, you know. Some of these movies I see, I see, you know, you see a, a poster or something advertised in a movie, you know. You see these grown men, grown men with fake guns in their hand, you know, on the poster advertising the movie, you know. And I remember one time I walked by one of those posts. I said, grow up. Act your age. Is it time to stop playing guns? Stop acting. Stop playing. I mean, you're a grown man now. But that's, that's a renewed mind. That's just how you think you see the nuttiness of it all. Jude chapter 1, verse 22. It says, on some have compassion. When you're ministering to people. You want to lead people to the Lord Jesus. Some have compassion, making a distinction. But others save with fear. Pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment defiled. As it were, defiled. By the flesh. Man, we don't want the flesh to, to get anywhere on us. And so, so you, you got to watch. You got to watch that you don't allow the things of the world to get on you. You need to hate it. You need to hate it. You know, that's what the fear of the Lord is too. It's to hate evil, it says in Proverbs. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. It's to hate the wicked way. You got to hate it. You gotta hate the devil's way of thinking, the devil's way of doing things. You gotta hate the powers of darkness and what they've done to human beings and how they've 
fooled people, messed people's minds up, perverted people, twisted. you got to hate it. Love righteousness and hate wickedness. Hate the lawlessness. Hate it. Get passionate. Hate is a very passionate word. It's not like, man, I, I don't think I like it. It's like you hate it. That's passionate. If you hate something, then it's not going to be so easy for you to, to, to give into it, to bring it into your life, bring it home with you. If you hate it, you got to hate it. Do you hate sin? Do you hate the things of the devil that bind people? That's a great way to keep yourself from ever getting bound. Hate it. Hate bondage. Hate bondage. We were created for liberty. We were created for freedom. We weren't created to be bound. That's perversion. That's twisted. And that's the devil. He's actually referred to, in one place, as a spirit of bondage. The spirit of bondage. Thank God we've been set free from him. The ERV translation of Jude 23 It says, rescue those who are living in danger of hell's fire. There are others you should treat with mercy. But be very careful that their filthy lives don't rub off on you. So when you're reaching out to people and you're, you know, wanting to help them, bring them to Jesus, don't let their filthy lives rub off on you. Some people say, well, you got to, you know, you got to relate to them. You know, you gotta, you got to be their friend and you got to make them feel comfortable around you and so you can bring them to God, bring them to church and then do things in church that make them feel comfortable at church. You know, you got to abandon all this Holy Spirit stuff and, and all this passion for Jesus and just let's all just chill out and win the lost. Sounds like you've been defiled. Verse 9 of Daniel. Now God brought Daniel into the favor Ever say favor. And goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. Praise God. Daniel had favor. Well, now, now, had it, why did he have favor? Now, see, he had amazing favor here. While other Jews got executed. Others got thrown in prison. Tortured. Terrible things have happened to a lot of his people. But yet Daniel has favor. How did he get favor? Well, first of all, He wouldn't defile himself. He didn't let the filth of Babylon get on his garments. He kept God's presence on his garments. He kept God's presence on his life. You know, our garments can be so anointed with God that it can heal people. We see that with Paul the Apostle, don't we? I mean, he was so anointed that the, the garments or the clothing or the handkerchiefs or cloths or things that he carried that made contact with his body got so anointed with the power of God that was so on his life that they would just take those cloths and handkerchiefs and things uh, to those that were sick or demon-possessed and people would get healed and demons come out of people. But that's Paul. He's special. He's special. Well, he was special because he made himself special. Because he consecrated himself and pursued God and didn't allow himself to be defiled. And see, that goes back to the scripture where it says, love, righteousness, hate, hate lawlessness. It actually says, you love righteousness and hate lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. 
That's actually what the scripture says. So notice, you love righteousness, you hate lawlessness, you hate wickedness. Therefore, because of that, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more. (laughs) More than your companions. More than your companions. Praise God. How many people want to be anointed more? I want more anointed. Let's see, how do you do that? Love righteousness, hate lawlessness, hate wickedness, hate the works of the devil, hate the garment being defiled by the filth of this world, hate those things, and love righteousness. Also, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3 says, Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Notice that Daniel, he came in to the favor of the king's eunuch that was in charge of really his future, Daniel's future. How did he get this favor? Well, the Bible teaches us how to have that favor. See, see again, it's something we take. It's something that's available to all of us. Not just for Daniel. He says, love, let not mercy. We say love mercy. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Don't let the truth of God's word get away from you. And never, never allow yourself to be in unforgiveness. Never allow yourself to be in unforgiveness. Mercy. Don't let mercy get away from you. Forgive. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to forgive. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what it is. It might not even seem like a big thing. You're driving down the road. Somebody cuts you off. Forgive them. Verbalize your forgiveness. Say, I forgive you, you heathen. I bless God that you're going to get saved. Jesus' name, I claim you're a heathen. I claim you as my inheritance. You say, you say how do you know he's a heathen? He cut me off. You'd never cut me off if you weren't a heathen. <laughs> I claim that heathen is my inheritance, man. Lord, I forgive them in Jesus' name. You know, if you find yourself watching the news media, and, uh, you know, they're saying a bunch of things that uh, just aren't right. Well, a lot of folks, they just get themselves all worked up, and then they walk around for a week, and they talk to everybody about how frustrated they are with the media, what they said, and what this, what this group is believing, what this group is saying, and forgive them. Better watch it. You're not walking around harboring unforgiveness and bitterness. It's a great way to lose the favor of God. I need his favor. I need his favor. You know, if he, he, I you got news for you. If God's favor came off your life, completely came off your life, nobody would like you. Nobody would like you. The only reason anybody likes you is because of the favor of God. I mean, when I was out in Oklahoma, and, and the Lord was wanting me to move here, but I didn't quite know that yet. I knew he wanted me to move, but I didn't know. You know, I was like, I, I, know, I know this time here is over, and I wasn't sure where to go yet, so, so I was just waiting for him to tell me where to go, you know. I, I thought that's what I was supposed to do, but that wasn't what I was supposed to do. He wanted me to step out and go. Not knowing where I was going, just knowing that I'm supposed to go. That this time here is over, and I trust him with my next steps. And so uh, I, I was, uh, you know, lingering in that place. 
for a couple months, and then all of a sudden, the grace just came off. I mean the grace. And got, when I was there, everybody loved me. It was great, you know. I mean, I had I mean, such favor. I had great relationships, great relationships with everybody. And I'm telling you, I literally, when his grace lifted, it was a tangible thing. It was like he just lifted it to really get my attention. And when he did, it was like conversation. Nothing made sense. I'm talking to people. that are like, you know, you misunderstood me. You didn't get what I said. What I was saying was this. They're totally getting something else. It's like, why aren't you understanding what I'm saying? It's like, and then you start feeling despised. You stuff, I mean, it just, was, it just fell apart. I was like, my Lord Jesus. I mean, it, when it lifted, when the favor left, nobody liked me. So, man, I got right with God. Found out I was just supposed to go. I said, all right, Lord, I'm going. I'll leave. I'll tell them tomorrow. I'm leaving. Grace came back. Everybody loved me the next day. Just loved me. They they gave us all kinds of gifts, and they just poured gifts on us and loved us as we exited that place and came here to start the church. It's the favor. I learned a great lesson then how much God's grace holds everything together. More than you realize. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. Every good thing. Favor comes from God. Promotion comes from the Lord. Comes from Him. So no matter how much you fix your hair up, no matter how much you scent yourself, spray yourself with, with nice fragrances and dress a certain way, and da, 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 if God's not there, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. They'll pass you up. I mean, when I first moved out to Oklahoma, you know, I needed to get a job. So, so I, I, one of the places I went to was TGI Fridays. And I ended up getting hired and working there. But when I came there, I didn't know that they were actually in the process of hiring me. They put an ad out, and they were looking for waiters and things. So, so I came in there. I had been in the food business previously back in New York, you know, so that's just where I thought it would be a good place to go and, and work. So, uh, but he was interviewing people. And I remember I sat down, I was waiting with a group of people to be the next one interviewed. And, I, and the guy in front of me being interviewed looked like Clark Kent. I mean, he's just the guy you hire, you know. I was used to hiring people and things like that. He was just as sharp as a tack. I thought, he's got the job. He's got the job. How many people are they looking for? I think they're just looking for one person. Oh, well, you know. This guy's, this Clark Kent's got the job, man. <laughs> you know, just, he just looked professional. And uh, so Clark Kent walks out, and I sit down with the manager, and we start, we start talking. And, and next thing you know, he said, when can you start? I said, I can start right away. He said, great. He said, I'll have you come in such a train. And that was it. He never, he never talked to any, anybody else. Hired me right on the spot. What was that? I came into the favor of the manager of TGI Fridays. <laughs> where did that favor come from? It came from the Lord. Came from the Lord. That's where it came from. Praise God. So, you know, a lot of times people are working, you know, burning themselves out and real nervous, and they want to impress, and they want to, they want to make everybody happy. They got to do everything right in order to get this position or to get what they need and da, 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 to have favor. Now, favor comes from God. Please God. Please God. Put all that effort into pleasing God, not man, and favor will come from God with man. Can you say Amen. And so, uh, you know, it goes on here. Daniel made a deal with the, with the chief eunuch. And uh, verse 15 says, and at the end of 10 days, he made a deal. You know, hey, listen, we're, we weren't gonna, we're not going to defile ourselves. We don't want to do that. You know, just give me 10 days. And, uh, and I'm telling you, we're going we're to actually look better and be sharper than, than all these other people are, are, that are, are partaking of the king's delicacies. 
the delicacies of this world. And so verse 15 says, At the end of ten days their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Thus the steward took away their portion of delicacies and the wine that they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Praise God. And so, you know, you could look and say, you know, we all need to, we all need to just eat vegetables. That's not the lesson. Someone went, thank God. <laughs> that would have been a hard one. <laughs> some, of, some of you folks. We all need to be vegetarians. You got to make it. You got to make it to the end. You got to be a vegetarian. <laughs> no. No. Um, living godly. Living godly will make you healthy. Living godly will make you healthy and, and, and cause you to be efficient in life. Because I'm telling you what, man, there are some people, they work out like they're fanatics. They're health nuts. And they eat a lot of nuts because they're health nuts. And I, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, diet, I mean, they're running. You see some of these people running, running, running. I mean, it's in the morning, the night, they're running, they're running, and you look at them, and they're looking like death. Some of these people look like death, I'm just saying. It's like, it's not helping them. It's not helping them. Some of these people, they look, they look horrible, no matter what they do to improve themselves. They're deteriorating. They're corroding. But those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And they'll mount up with wings like eagles. Praise God. Hallelujah. Your youth will be renewed. That's what the Bible says. So, you know, again, we're filling ourselves up with life. And God's life should be radiating out of us. Man, there's, there's a beauty, beauty that goes beyond the flesh. It transcends the flesh. And it comes from the Spirit. Then the Bible talks about, you know, concerning women over in First uh, Peter chapter 3. It talks about how to have a really good makeover and, 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 and how to be really beautiful. He says, man, don't let it be what your, you know, all your cosmetics and, and what you wear, your apparel and all these things. He said, he said don't, don't focus on that. He says in, in chapter 3 verse 4, he says, but let it be the hidden person of the heart. The spirit with an incorruptible ornament of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. So you see, you've got this spirit full of faith, a spirit that, that rests quietly in God. There's no fear. There's no panic. There's no anxiety. Just this peace of God. Man, that transcends through the flesh. And brings about a beauty that, that goes beyond the natural. It goes beyond the natural. And I believe Daniel had that. I believe Daniel had that. He had that radiant presence of God coming out of his life. That joy of the Lord coming through his physical features. Can you say amen? Verse 17 of Daniel chapter 1. As for these four young men, God gave them God gave, God gave them knowledge and skill in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Notice, these things came, didn't just come from studying. 
studying, studying, studying. You know, there's things that will come easy. The Bible says knowledge comes easy to him who has understanding. So when you understand, the, understanding is spiritual. Because Ephesians talks about, he get, you know, to pray for a spirit of wisdom and understanding, Right? So it's a spirit of understanding. When you have the Holy Spirit, when you have the spirit of understanding, knowledge comes easy. You don't have to sit there and study and rack your brain and just try to figure stuff out. It comes easy. A lot of times you just look and you know. You know the answer. I remember years back, you know, someone was going through a tough time. And everybody was, everybody was trying to give him counsel. The family members and everybody's, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. They were trying to give him counsel and everything else. And uh, it was just getting worse. It was, like, it was like he was just becoming more oppressed. And, and then I walked in and we, we talked for a few minutes. He told me what he was going through. And I think it was one sentence, maybe it was two sentences. Totally set him free. Just whatever I said, I don't remember what it was years ago. He said it, he just went, and he was completely, the oppression left, everything just left. It's exactly what he needed to hear. See, it's easy. It's easy. Jesus is easy and light. So, but that's another, another trick of the devil. You know, he tries to make everything difficult. You know, it's so, it's so difficult. And that's why he says in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter, he talks about how the enemy tries to corrupt your minds from the simplicity that is in Christ. See? See, with Christ, it's simple. It's simple. Just like one time, I, was, I, was, I felt like I needed to know some things about a certain thing. I was, I was trying to get you know, God to give me answers. Oh, I, need to know. I need to know. I need to know. And he spoke right to my heart. And he said, do what you know to do. And you'll know what you need to know. When you need to know it. So we don't have to be anxious about anything. We've got to know. If, if I need to know, I'll know. God will show it to me. He's a good, good father. He'll show it to me. I don't have to sit there. <gasps> get everybody. I need everybody to pray for me to get this. No. God will show me. You've got to have that confidence. Have that faith in God. He will show you what you need to know when you need to know it. So if you don't know it, then don't worry about it. Just do what you know. Do what you know. And you'll get where you need to be. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. So I wanted to say this, that if you apply yourself to the Word of God, apply yourself to know the Lord, to walk with Him, and to serve and to give your best in what it is you put your hands to, you will discover all kinds of giftings and abilities you didn't know you had. See, 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 there's a lot more giftings and abilities and things available. Graces, we can say, there's all kinds of grace available to people to take hold of. But if you're not applying yourself, if you're not doing what you know to do, if you're not applying yourself to where you are right now with what you have, if you're not giving 100% and being, being passionate and thankful for what you have now and doing what you're supposed to be doing now, then you never get into the more. But when you give more and you do more, all of a sudden you tap into more. You tap into graces, you tap into talents, you tap into abilities, you tap into gifts, you tap into flows of the Spirit that you didn't know you can flow in. You know, it's not like you just get born a sudden and all of a sudden, you know, gifts of the Spirit, things just start dropping on you. You've got to start stepping into things and start using what God has given you. 
And not just for yourself. But you got to be looking to serve. So if you'll step out and say, I want to serve God and start using what you have. I don't have much to give. Well, whatever you have, start giving it and give 100% of what you have. And that's how you get more. Right? Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. That does not just, does not just apply to money. It's true concerning finances. As you give, it comes back to you more abundantly. But it's more than just money. As you give your talents, as you give your abilities, you'll find them being multiplied. And next thing you know, you're having visions and you're seeing things and knowing things that puts you in a very, very high supernatural place. God wants us all living in a high supernatural place. Come on, somebody. It's time to come up into the higher places. It's time to come up into the higher places. Glory be to God. And so they were brought before the king. So after their, after, what was it, three-year, three-year training camp, they went through this training camp. It was time to come before the king, be interviewed by the king. And the Bible says in verse 20, and in all manners of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better then all the magicians and astrologers who were in all his realm, I mean, they were 10 times better. Praise God. That's how the church is supposed to be. 10 times better, 10 times greater than those that do not know God. We are the people of wisdom in this world. We are the people of God. Hallelujah. And so God wants you to stand out. He wants you to take the lead in everything. He wants us to take the lead in all things. He doesn't want the church falling behind in anything. Not a single saint. Not a single saint falling behind in anything. Can you say amen? Praise God forever. Verse 21, then Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus. So even as... A captive in this land, we see Daniel immediately coming into favor and coming up in rank. He's standing before the king, and the king approves of him, gives him a great position in his kingdom, and now he's, he, he's supposed to be a captive. He's a ruler. How in the world did that happen? He, he came there as a captive, and in a very short period of time, he's ruling the joint. I mean, that reminds me of like Joseph, right? His brothers threw him in a pit, sent him off to be a slave. And next thing you know, man, he's king of the house. And then he got lied about. And so, and so they took him and threw him in prison. And next thing you know, he's the warden. He's the guy walking around with the, king, with the keys. He's in charge of the prison. And after about seven years in prison, next thing you know, he's promoted to the palace. And he's the ruler over... The empire of the world at that time. How in the world did that happen? God, favor. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself clean. Go after him. Cling to mercy. Cling to truth. Praise God. Just be a follower of God, and you'll have God-like results. Can you say amen? Praise God forever. That concludes chapter 1. We'll pick up chapter 2, Lord willing, next time. Why don't we stand on our feet and thank the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter what's going to happen in the world. It doesn't matter what tomorrow holds. It doesn't matter if we're here when the great tribulation breaks out. None of that matters. Bless God. We'll rule. We'll triumph. We'll be the leaders during that time period. Can you say? We'll prosper. Be in health. Be great lights in a dark world. 
That's what we will be. That's what you will be. Say, that's what I will be. Because I purpose in my heart not to defile myself with the things of this world. I'm going to be like Jesus. I'm going to please God. I'm seeking to please God. Not my flesh. Not man. I'm going to please God. And therefore I know all things will turn for my good. All things will turn for my good and for God's glory. Hallelujah. Come on, give him praise in the house tonight. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.